0: To my rescue From the grave I've been raised When I needed a savior to save me Jesus you made a way I was blind but these eyes have been open. Now I walk in the light Every step on this road I will follow Jesus you made a way The following message was recorded by the Way in Brea. Lead pastor Von Jarrett has a heart for the people at the Way and a desire to reach the lost. The waste Production Department prays this message is a blessing to you and that you find yourself closer to God through application. You're the light one person to say yes I'm sorry Lord forgive me I'll repent just one church to turn back to their first love you realize this is the first letter to seven churches in Revelation and God says I love you guys and I love how you do this and seek the truth and do this and do this but there's only one thing I have against you one you have lost your first love The title of my message this morning is A Community of One. A Community of One. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4, and I want to finish uh, 7 through 13, and we'll kick off right at 10. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 10. Say amen when you get there. Are we all out of coffee out there? Uh, Man. It feels like I'm the only one here. Community of one. That's okay. That's alright. No pun intended. He who ascended also is the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fulfill all things. And he gave himself some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some to be pastors, and certainly some to be teachers. For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. What does it take to edify the body of Christ? It goes on to say, till we come to the unity of faith. You cannot edify the body of Christ or glorify God if you are not unified. If this church is not unified. If you are not in communion with God. Are you following me? When I tell you God's looking for one, he's literally only looking for one. Just one. He didn't walk in the garden and say, hey, Martinez, where are you? No, you know what he said? He said, Adam... Where are you? He looked for one. He didn't say, Adam and Eve, where are you guys hiding? No. He said, Adam, where are you? Scripture tells us throughout the Bible that God is looking for one. Just one. Because if you were partnered with Christ, we all know the famous scripture, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. If you are unified with God, all things are possible. Then the Lord God called to Adam, where are you? He didn't say, hey, Martinez. I don't know what Adam's last name was, but he didn't call them by their last name. He looked for Adam. He's looking for one. He's looking for one to repent this morning. He's looking for one... Person to surrender this morning and say, Hey, I got some anger issues. You instantly unify this body. When one gets united with God, the body gets strengthened. Turn with me to John 17. Actually, no need to turn. Isaiah will put it up for us. John chapter 17, 11 through 13. He says, he will no longer be in the world, but that they are in the world. And I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by your name. The name you gave them, so that they may be one as we are one. When we talk about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they are one. They act like one. Jesus is telling God, I am praying that they become one. Who's he referring to? He's referring to the believers, to the church. Stop acting a fool and everybody do their own thing. Be as one. Be united. Because in unification there is power. Listen what else he says. He says, while I was with them, I protected them, preserved them by your name. The name that you gave me. Not one of them has been lost. He's concerned about one. He's telling God, I haven't lost one for you. And even the one I lost was never mine. Are you getting that? He's referring to Judas. Even, he was never mine. But every person that you have given me, Father, I have not lost. I know this is a whole other message, but everything was pre-planned. Some say that God created... Salvation and gave man the opportunity to choose salvation. Others say that God gave order and already chose those people and led them to salvation. Predestination, uh, however you want to call it. Jesus is literally telling God the Father right now, every person you've given me, that means that if they were chosen, I have not lost one. God is looking for one. Are you that one this morning? Are you that one? He says, I protected them and preserved them by your name, the name that you gave me. Not one of them has been lost except for the son of destruction so that the scripture would be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you and I'm saying these things while I'm in the world so that they may have joy fulfilled within them. He's calling us to be one, one with Him first and foremost, so that we become one with the body. It it was funny how a pastor had said this, anything with two heads is a monster. Anything with two heads is a monster. Listen, if there's no unification or community, nothing works not your workplace you could have employees doing their own thing and the executives wishing something else let me tell you bottom line is not going to look good you're not going to be in the green you could have a church with a thousand people if three hundred are doing one thing and another four hundred are doing one thing that's seven hundred and the other three hundred are doing something completely off listen you're not going to reach the city you cannot glorify God if you were outside of his will you can't rock the shirt, he is greater than I, but everything in your life is greater than he is. Come on, people. You've got to be unified. Every now and then you've got to say, Lord, what's the one thing that's keeping me from you and us being unified? I'm telling you, he's only looking for one. The Bible tells me that he left the 99 for how many? One. one. I would leave the 99 for one. Then he says, when I grab him, I put that sheep on my shoulder and I rejoice. God rejoices over one. And he's asking the church of Ephesus, come back to one. Come back as you were, your first love. You sought me, you sought the truth. You looked for me, you built each other up, you encouraged each other. Every one another is proclaimed in the church of Ephesus. But they lost their first love. They became... Ununified. John 6, 39 says, And this is the Father's will. Say Father's will. Let me say it again. And this is the Father's will which has sent me, that all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise him up again at the last day. Verse 40 says, and this is the will of him, still referring to his father, that sent me that everyone who seeketh the son and believeth on him may have everlasting life and I will raise him up at the last day. Do you know the second coming of Christ is waiting on one person? There's a number that's already been calculated since the beginning of time. And the moment that person says, Lord, forgive me, Jesus is coming on the clouds. Jesus is waiting on one. He's looking for one. Are you that one that needs to start a ministry here? Are you that one that needs to leave a ministry here? To focus on your unification with Jesus. Many of us think that just being part of a bigger group makes us community. No. I just read to you what he told him in Revelations. He said, hey, you guys are doing great. You're doing great things. All your numbers are wonderful, but you lost your first love. Maybe you're you're in ministry and you've lost your first love. Then he's looking for that one to say, Lord, I need to come back to you. I'm serving way too many people and not you. Some of us, it's just the opposite. I won't serve anybody. You know who I am? You know how long I've been here? But did you die? God is looking for one. I got to be honest with you. It is a challenging... challenging statement when we desire I guess I'll just uh, I'm just trying to put it eloquently but I won't some of us ask God for things and get mad when we don't get things from him like favor or protection I'm not even talking about materialistic things I'm just talking about spiritual things that are beyond our control but obviously in the control of one and we find ourselves losing our mind because we have no access to it he hasn't poured it out on our lives but you've lost your first love What if your wife said that to you? What if your husband said that to you? Hey man, I appreciate all that you do. You put food on the table. You take care of the kids. But man, you've lost your first love. You don't even, we're not even one. So many things in this world fall apart because nobody's unified. Nobody. Anything and everything from racism to government to hatred to uh, elections to, to, to you name it. If you are not unified, you have no chance. And you certainly don't have a chance if you're unified against or with something in this world and not God Almighty. But when you're unified with the creators of heaven and earth, the one who holds the seven lampstands, And the sky? And the stars? Who has already chosen every one of us? And you don't want to be unified? And you wonder why things never go your way? Maybe everything goes your way, but you have no peace whatsoever. And that's the one thing excluding you in your life. I told you earlier that for many of us in the church really one thing that all of us hold on to and it's different for all of us that keeps us from being unified to God you may be saved you may be you may know him as Lord and Savior of your life you may have written and confirmed your name in the book of life but there's no revival in your walk there's no power in your words there is no love or kindness in your actions because you're holding on to one thing That's the one thing God's looking for. That's the one thing. It could be addiction. It could be anger. It could be pride. It could be past sins that you hold on. You don't even forgive yourself and you want God to forgive you. You haven't learned how to forgive yourself. I'm an old creation. In Christ, all things are new. By the renewing of my mind and spirit. What's that one thing that's holding you back? I, uh, we've had a, a, a bit of a tough week, thank you for all your prayers and well wishes and thoughts and flowers and gifts, but we had a scare, Sarah had uh, text me around 4.40 a.m. on Tuesday morning, I was at the gym, she said, you're almost done. And I said, she typically wakes up when I get home. I'll make her a cup of coffee and breakfast, wake her up for work, so forth and so on. And she says, I can't breathe. My chest is collapsing on me. It feels like my, my shirt is too tight. So I said, I'll be right there. So I get home. We take her to the hospital, to the ER that morning. Um, and they admit her. Um, and normally you get admitted pretty quickly anytime you say chest pains moment they rule out gas or what have you um, so they admit her and they begin to doing tests now she was there last year in March of 2017 and she just saw her uh, 2018 and she just saw her primary a couple of weeks prior with the same issue they found nothing they found nothing so They ran some tests, they did some blood tests, they did some enzyme tests, they did a stress test, put her on a treadmill, put the incline up, watched her heart, everything was okay, nothing. So then he comes to us and he says, hey, so we don't know, we don't have any answers for you. How do you feel? She's like, "Yeah, I still kind of feel the pressure but something's not right. Okay, what do you want us to do? I'm like, I don't know, what else would you do? I mean, you're the cardiologist, tell me. So he says, well, we could do an angiogram, but that's going to be optional, and I don't know if insurance will cover it. I said, okay, so let's do it. He said, you want to do it? I said, yeah, we need answers. So an angiogram, they can do it two different ways. They can go through one of your main arteries in your wrist or go through one of your main arteries in your groin. And basically they insert a, a tiny sleeve in the main artery and then a camera goes into that artery. Um, and they look. They look for blockage. They look for, uh, they can see uh, blood flow, certain things like that. So in her right side of her heart, that main artery, but if the doctor's looking at you, it's actually the left side. That's how they describe it. It's called the L.A.D. artery, and it feeds two other arteries on that side of the heart. And those two other arteries that get fed from this one large artery produce or pump all the blood to the rest of the body. They call it the widow maker because when that's plugged, um, you get to see Jesus, if you know him, if you're one. You know where I'm going? So, uh, she was in the angiogram, did, did that. Doctor came out and says, well, he had, he had told her, but she was a little loopy. She had no idea, so I waited until I saw him. Didn't see him until the next day. And he says, well, we figured out the issue. I said, okay, well, what did you see? we found that that artery was 80% blocked. And she's, she, uh, she's 44. That's young, that's super young. And I said, okay, so, how, okay, now what? And he says, well, she's gonna have to take medication, certain medication for her life, for her heart, keep these stents erect and uh, strong in the artery, so forth and so on. And I found my knees get really weak and not the bad one, but both of them. And I found my knees get really weak, and I thought to myself, man, I used to, I used to be very faithful in everything I did. Then there was this period of time in our lives where we struggled. And the common denominator is, is when God's pouring out love and mercy, it's real easy to be faithful. But when you've got challenges and roadblocks and a wall of Jericho in front of you and addiction and anger and the marriage is struggling, it's very easily to be ununified with Christ. It's very easy to say, okay, man, I'm not going to pray. I got things to do today. It's very easy for you not to study the word and say, I got things to do. I got people to take care of and this and that. And all of a sudden, God's like, oh, now you've come back to your first love. When that cardiologist gave me the option, I said, do it. It doesn't matter. I have faith that we'll figure this out, but I also have faith that God's in control. And I said to him, how in the world can all these tests be done and you can't find anything? And he said, son, we don't put stents in people's arteries who haven't had a heart attack yet. He says, we do that after. He says, you're very lucky. And I thought to myself, amazing message from pastor. As believers in this world, we have favor, not fairness. Nothing is fair for us. We have favor in God. And I thought to myself, I have favor because I've come back to my first love. I come back to trusting him in the midst of hell or in the midst of glory. It doesn't matter. He says, nothing was wrong with her blood, she's never had a heart attack. We can't see damage in her heart, it doesn't show up on the stress test. Her enzyme levels are normal because she's never had a heart attack. We don't put stents in people's, heart, in people's arteries who have had a heart attack. It's a measure after the fact when it happens. So I thought to myself, man. And literally, so I know I have this option to share with you this week. Because pastor and the family are uh, on a a work trip. um, And they made a weekend out of it in New York. And God literally tells me, this is what happens when you're unified. This is the stuff that people don't get to experience because they've lost their first love. Church of Ephesus. Church of the Way in Brea. Have you lost your first love? What's the one thing holding you back from you being unified with God? One thing, he said, I'll leave the 99 for one. God's looking for one. And either we don't want to be that one, or it really just doesn't matter. What's amazing is that we would try and rather struggle in the midst of life just to have a piece of it our own. You know the shirt, the brand, he is greater than I. I referred to it earlier. We've got stickers, we've got shirts, we rock the hats. But there's one thing in our life that makes I greater than he, and we would rather live that way because we get a little bit of credit instead of giving God all the glory. You know why? Because it takes one of you to surrender. You know why? Because it takes one of you to lose the pride in your life. Why don't you be a spouse that's encouraging instead of a spouse that's degrading? Is that the one thing holding you from revival in your relationship with Christ? Is it your weary eyes, men? God is giving you an amazing woman and you can't help yourself. You got 360 degree views with cool shades on. Don't act like I don't know. Like I didn't used to do it that way horrific. Nobody else sees you but one. Amen. <sighs> Come on now. You may be at home alone on the phone or on the iPad. No one else sees you but one. And God is looking for that one. That's tough. That's a tough pill to swallow. In Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 5, this is Jesus telling the Pharisees a parable. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes begin complaining, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. And he spoke this parable to them, says, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. Do you know that heaven and earth rejoice over one? So if heaven and earth rejoice over one, I've shared with you that God is looking for one. How is it that Many of us cannot cannot act like one as the body, edifying each other, building one another up. God always does what's just. He always does what's right. You don't need to turn there. I'm going to read a Brief story and share something with you. In Genesis chapter 18, verse 22 through 33, it's the story of Abraham and his tenacity as he prays over Sodom and Gomorrah, he prays over an entire city. Just listen with me for a few minutes. Then the men turned away from there and went toward Sodom. And Abraham still stood before the Lord. And Abraham came near and said, Would you destroy the righteous with the wicked? Abraham is praying to God saying, Why would you destroy the good and the bad together? Suppose there were 50 righteous in the city. Would you destroy the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous that were in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing as this. To slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be the wicked. Far be it from you shall not the judge of all the earth do right. Abraham is one with God, and he's got God's ears. He is unified with God, knows his character, knows what he's able to do, knows what he's willing to do, and knows what God won't do. He knows that if there is one righteous in the city... That city is spared. Did you know he goes on? I don't, it, the Bible doesn't tell us how long it took, but he goes from 50. What about 40, Lord? Would you spare the city for 40? God says, Yep, I'll spare it. Let's find 40. He says, I couldn't find 40. I'm ad libbing right now. What about 30? Okay, I'll spare the city for 30. What's God looking for? One. Abraham goes all the way down to ten. Would you spare this city for ten righteous? God the Father says, Yes. We know the story. The end of the story Sodom and Gomorrah gets decimated because there's not one righteous. Would you be that one in this church? Would you be that one at work? Can you be that one? Can you be one with God? Because he's only looking for one. This uh, portion of the scripture challenges me every time I come across it or read it or even think about it. And I'm blown away because Abraham stops at 10. God would have granted him favor. And not overthrow the entire city if Abraham and him could find one one righteous in the city but the entire city the entire city was decimated do you know that this world would be decimated as well when all of the ones that are called are gone done new heaven and a new earth when everyone has been raised up to him. When Jesus tells to his father, look at every person that you've given me. That number, let's say it's 10% of 6 billion or 3% of 6 billion. Whatever that number is, when every one of those people, every one of them come to know the love of Christ, that's it. The second coming is here. God's waiting for one. One. Colossians 3.14 says, And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Ephesians 4.3, it says, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is power in unity. Common unity. Community. When many become one... For we are all baptized by one Spirit, so as to from one body, whether you're Jews or Gentiles. You remember when we were um, going through Ephesians chapter 2 and we had the chief cornerstone standing here. And we had many people on this side, many people on this side, and everybody going here. But the one common denominator was the chief cornerstone. There was unity in their belief, in their love, in their faith. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we are all given the one spirit to drink from. Galatians 3:28 through 29 says, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For all you are in one with Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. One. One. God's looking for one. Are you willing to give up that one thing this morning? Are you willing to change that one thing this morning? Is one of you willing to repent this morning? Is one of you willing to make a commitment this morning? He's only looking for one. He can do amazing things with one. With one. He had one chance to save the world. Guess what happened? He did it. He had one chance to stay on the cross. Newsflash, he stayed there for you. For each and every one of us. He had one opportunity to change water from wine. Guess what? He did it. Every one of his opportunities came healing and power. You know what's crazy? Even the people that he healed, he said, Don't tell anyone because I've got you done. What that should tell you is God will do the work. He just needs you to come to him to get healed. People who've gotten their sight, he said, Don't go anyone. Don't tell anyone. I'm glad I took care of you. I'm here for the one. I'll leave the 99. There's a uh, song I I, uh, really been enjoying and it's called As You Find Me, but the whole song, the verse is, I was found before I was lost. Every one of his are already accounted for. But some of us have lost our first love. I was known by you before I wasn't. It's all written out. It's already planned. Do you, do you remember Gary's uh, script, uh, passage opening us up at Jericho? Man, the, Jesus, when he ascended, he sent sat. By, sat To the right hand of the Father. When you're done with your work, you sit down. Everything's already been done. But have you lost your first love? Are you greater than he, or is he greater than you? I thought to myself in preparing all this, man... Why, 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 why this way, why I don't understand you sometimes, Lord, you, you do things that are uh, outside my ability to understand. And I, I clearly heard him, and it was, it, believe it or not, it was, it was the moment we, uh, we brought Sarah home, she laid down, she passed out, taking all this medication, she's sore, and, and he literally said, "It's for it's by my grace that you've been saved, and it's through faith. And Raymond, let me remind you, this is a gift I give you. Everything you have is a gift that I've given you because of my grace. You remember the picture that that uh, Pastor Vaughn shared? Can you put that up, Isaiah? The bucket? I mean, literally, a measure of faith and grace given to us. How do we return that measure? Is it eight ounces compared to God's five gallons? Or an eternity of grace? I thought to myself, how is it possible? And he says it's through faith and it's by my grace and it's a gift for you so that you could never say it's you. So that no one can boast. You can never say, I am greater than he. Oh, sorry. You're not. You could never say, I did that. That was all me. Got a promotion. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. No, it's not all you. In fact, most of us are so filled up with ourselves, God can't even pour into a bucket for us. Because we're so filled up of our own crap and our own pride and God's got a bucket of grace for you. He can't put an ounce in your life because you're so full of yourself. And maybe he's looking for one ounce. Maybe he's just looking for one of you to empty yourself so that he can pour into your life. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works. Lest you should boast. Hmm. Are you greater than he? Or is he greater than I? If God is looking for one... What's that one thing holding you back here and now? What's that one thing and are you willing to give it up? Some of us hold those things. We hold them so close and so tight to us, we become blind to everything and how it affects us entirely. You don't want to give into the kingdom. You don't want to give in to the church financially, personally, emotionally, physically. That's okay. I want you to know that my entire message, I never once said God needed one. God's looking for one. God wants one. But don't make no mistake about it. He needs none of us. None of us. But yet, he is so happy and proud to tell the father, look, Lord, I kept them all for you. I haven't lost any. Oh, yeah, this one that betrayed me, he was never in this number anyway. I've never lost one. But he doesn't need any one of us. The creator of all heaven and earth, the one that allowed you to give life if you're a mother the one that allows you to wake up and all your arteries work simultaneously, that, that guy, that creator, doesn't need us. He wants us. And he's looking for one. Stand with me. I don't know... What's that one thing for you? I've had a lot of one things over my years. And what's amazing is every time I gave up that one thing, believe it or not, God blessed me, gave me favor, and then I found myself holding on to another one thing. And I had to give that up also. It's a continuous... Surrendering of my life, my pride, my anger, my frustration, my addiction, all these things. I can go back all the way to my skater days, doing some stupid stuff. I had to give things up one by one. And the more I gave up these things, the more I became one with the Father. The more I gave up these things... The more unified and more power and more blessing and favor and healing and avoiding disaster. Special. Absolutely special. I can't tell you what's the one thing for you. You know it. You knew it the moment I said it. Trust me, I sit where you sit. I am who you are. I'm part of this church. I'm part of this body. I'm human. I am far from perfect. I sin. The moment God spoke those words to me, I knew what's the one thing I got to give up so I can be unified with him. The moment I spoke those words to you, let's go back. The moment God spoke those words through me to you, you knew it instantly. There is one thing that's holding you back right now before you can go from glory to glory to glory. What's that one thing? You don't need to tell me. He knows it. You don't need to tell him, but you do have to give it up. You just say, Lord, I don't know how to get rid of it. This thing has been a barnacle on my life for 30 years, just sucking the life out of me. I'm full of anger. It could be pride, it could be an addiction. It could be an inability to, just to be humble. It could be that you hold on so hard to something that that God can't even give you anything. Kind of like we shared. You're so full of yourself, God can't pour into your life. It's the same with people who are tight with what they have. It doesn't matter if it's money. But most people who are tight with money will never get more. They can't open their hands. They're too afraid to lose one. And God's saying, open up for me. Let me have it for you. I will bless it. I will give it back to you tenfold." The scripture says that you can't even store it in Malachi. You can't even contain what I have for you. But if you're not going to give up this, how can I give you that? You can get with this or you can get with that. It's your choice. It's all a choice. That's what's amazing. He's given you the choice. It's not this parent that forces you to love him or whips you into shape like the Egyptians do. No. He's asking you to come to me. Give it up to me. Surrender it to me. And I'll take it away. And I will replace it with something that you've never ever considered or dreamed of. And everything that God, every time God has done that for my life, I'm completely blown away by what he's replaced it with. Completely blown away. So as we worship, I'd really like this to be about you. God is only looking for one. And there's one thing that's keeping you from being united with God. You should take advantage of this time and this moment and say, Lord, uh, I'll be honest, I know that one thing, but I really don't want to talk about it. Or Lord, I don't know what it is, which I find that very hard to believe. Because we all know sin is in us. But when we have the Spirit of God in us, we're also convicted It shines light on that one thing. It shines light on that one thing. You cannot be like the church of Ephesus and lose your first love. You cannot do all these amazing things. Scriptures tell us that you can serve all your life. Can you imagine getting up to the gates and he says, I never knew you. Because you wouldn't give up that one thing. Man. That's hard to imagine. You may think that you're serving the church and doing all the right things. None of us are right. You may even think that you're a good person. None of us are good. The Bible describes us as filthy rags because we have sin in us. So let this moment be about one person. Let this altar call be about one thing that you need to give up to come back to your first love. Let this time of prayer be about you and you alone. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for holding the lampstands in place. We thank you for all creation. We thank you for our amazing bodies, Lord, and what you've created. You've you've put life, you've breathed life into us, Lord. We're so grateful for your grace and your mercy and all that bounds within. Would you help us encourage one another? Would you help us love one another? We're all in the same boat. And those that aren't, Lord, teach them to, to have the faith to walk on water. Teach them to have faith to get back in the boat, Lord. You know us by name. You've called us. You know each and every one of us, and you certainly know the one thing that keeps us from you. Give us the strength to overcome that, Lord. I would ask for each and every one of us that you would just give us the humility to lay it down not to even speak a word, but to have a moment with you in silence of laying that one thing down that brings us back to our first love. We go from a common unity to a community. Your word tells us that you'd leave the 99 for one. Thank you for leaving the 99 for me. And I know many people right here, right now are thanking you For leaving the 99 for them. With every eye closed, every head bowed, I'd like to ask. If you don't know the one. And you want to come back. To the first love. Maybe you don't know that kind of love that I'm referring to. When it comes to forgiveness of sins. And an eternity spent with Christ. With every eye closed and head bowed, would you raise your hand for me so that I can pray for you? We're not here to call anybody out. So I would appreciate it if you were just as thoughtful as I am. But if you were the one today, this morning, that God is looking for, would you raise your hand? Amen. Amen. So as it sits, we all know the one. And as we know, we are all far from perfect. As we open up the altars and we worship, would you be honest with yourself in silence and in prayer about the one thing holding you from God? The one thing keeping you from absolute revival in your relationship. To where you long for him every morning, diving into his word, praying and thanking him. I read this quote, I was reading a book in the hospital, and one of the quotes says, if you only If God gave you the ability to keep the things you prayed for the night before that you were grateful for, what would you have? What would you have? If everything God was going to give you tomorrow was the only thing that you were grateful yesterday, what is it? Man. Some of us will go through life never thanking God for anything. And we have more than anything we could ever imagine. We have favor, we have health, we have salvation. And you just go day from day from day from day. Without communion, without being a community, without being one. So we're also going to open up communion at the same time as the altars. And I think it's absolutely fitting. This is your one chance to be one with Christ. That bread becomes one in you. That blood becomes one in you. So if there's one thing that you need to lay down, the altars are open. I was nowhere you came to my rescue From the grave I've been raised when I needed a savior to save me. Jesus, you made a way. I was blind, but these eyes have been open. Now I walk in the light. Every step on this road I will follow, Jesus, you made a way. You are the way. You are the way. Thank you for listening.